all of us have two basic fears. The fear of not being enough and the fear of not being loved. And if you think of all the things that you say to yourself, it boils down to those two things. Not being worthy or enough, not being loved. Hey, Coraline, Cole Turnbull here with Coraline Advice Givers. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Kari Romeo, who uh, is the founder of Conquer Life Coaching. We dive in this interview a lot about, we do a lot of talking about limiting your self-beliefs and that voice in your head that holds us back from accomplishing, you know, what we set out to do or what we're capable of doing, which is a huge thing for for me and I think a lot of uh, you know a lot of people out there that you know we have that little devil on our shoulder that creeps into our head and and keeps us from accomplishing what you know we're meant or set out to accomplish so hope you guys enjoy this episode Hey everyone, Cole Turnbull with Coraline Advice Givers, where we interview Coraline business owners, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to bring Coraline residents the best advice from our community's brightest minds. Today we are joined by Kari Romeo, founder of Conquer Life Coaching, who set out to help individuals and businesses discover their limiting beliefs and actions through strength-based approach known as appreciative inquiry. To assist her clients focus on possibility and opportunity as a pathway to success. Kari, who is featured in a TEDx Coeur talk set out about three years ago to really figure out how she could add more value to this world. As she let go of her limiting beliefs that she had, she became extremely aware of the struggles so many people have, especially entrepreneurs who struggle with not only building business, but overcoming self-doubt. Please welcome Kari. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Before we uh, get into, you know, limiting self-beliefs, your business of Conquer Life Coaching, uh, let's learn a little bit about you and who you are. What's your story? My story. Um, let's see. When I was born, no, uh, we won't go that far back. Um, I have been very blessed. I've lived a life uh, that's just been full of opportunity. Um, I. I've been all over the world. I was an Air Force officer. Um, I've lived in Norway, the United Arab Emirates, uh, in uh, different places in the United States, uh, in Italy for 15 years. I've been able to travel extensively. I've also had a lot of different careers that have been really exciting and fun and hard, and I've been promoted a lot, which is great and I fought myself most of the way because of my own self-doubts and my own poor self-image. So a few years ago when I first moved to Coeur d'Alene, I moved here to become the store manager of Natural Grocers when it opened up. And that was really fun, but it was a lot of hard work. And I did that job for about a year and a half. And one day I just decided I'm tired of being in charge of everybody. I want to be in a much more supportive and empowering position in my life. So I left um, management, went into real estate, uh, which I enjoy. I now work for Keller Williams, and I'm really enjoying that. 
started at Coldwell Banker, great company, uh, no, no issues there. But what I really wanted to do was find out what my passion was. So I spent a great deal of time thinking about what do I really like to do? And in all my positions of leadership, what I really loved to do was help people achieve their dreams, achieve their goals. So I decided to take my years of mentoring and my years of counseling and coaching and turn it into a business. So I created Conquer Life Coaching, which is all about conquering our limitations and setting ourselves free so we can reach our full potential. That's kind of where I'm at. That's where you are today. And uh, I noticed uh, when we had our sit-down talk you know, previously, and that was when I first met you, you know, first time, and today, again, you're wearing it. Love everyone on your button on your shirt. Um, what's the story behind that? Okay. Love everyone. So there's actually a brand of chocolate bar called Coco Love, and they had these little buttons, and I think it was Coco Love. And anyway, the button said, love everyone. And I said to the new store manager of Natural Grocers that I really liked that button because I think... That's a philosophy I try to live by, and we would make our world a whole lot better if we would just stop fighting each other and just love each other for our own unique, magnificent selves. We're each unique, special creatures, and if we could just love that uniqueness, our world would become a much better place to live in. So I liked the button so much that I wore it out, so I went to North Idaho Title here in town and said, Here's what I want, and they made it for me. They made, got you one made up, huh? Right. Awesome. Uh, we're just going to do a little quick fire here, so about four or five questions, just whatever comes to your mind. We'll just let it roll, and then we'll dive into uh, your business. But what are you interested in that most people haven't heard of? Crop circles. I absolutely love crop formations. They're all over the world. They're beautiful. Nobody knows who makes them. And they have an energy that is outstanding. I've been in several of them. They're remarkable. And a lot of people don't know anything about them. And I'd, I'd love to educate people on that. But the fact is, is nobody knows a lot about them. What's a labyrinth and what's your plan on, on that? Well, a labyrinth, a lot of people think a labyrinth is a maze. A labyrinth is not a maze. So a maze is designed to get people confused, like you hear about the corn mazes and things like that, the mazes at big castles in Europe. A labyrinth, uh, instead, is rather designed to help you find yourself. There's one way in and one way out. And my sister, Kristen Keyes, is a labyrinth facilitator, so I've become interested in her teaching of how to use a labyrinth. A labyrinth is designed to help you slow down, um, de-stress. Uh, they're used in hospitals extensively to help people, doctors, nurses, patients, especially who are going through um, difficult times, to have a place where they can slow down, calm down. People use them in prayer. People use them for meditation. Um, we, my sister and I, would like to have one built in Coeur d'Alene. There's a worldwide labyrinth network, and we have so many tourists coming through here. I believe having a labyrinth that tourists can go to um, would be a benefit to the city. So, does that help? Yeah. 
when, when you brought that up when we first sat down it just came back to my mind it was, you know, awesome uh when you were talking about the the corn you know the formations of the right uh, what is something you think everyone should do once in their life feel the fear and do it anyway we all have something we'd like to try and we talk ourselves out of it again and again and again maybe it's a new business maybe it's asking a boy or a girl a man or a woman out on a date maybe maybe it's just trying a new hobby maybe it's bungee jumping i don't know and we talk ourselves out of it because we're afraid something is afraid so i think everybody should feel the fear once and do it anyway and i'll tell you what will happen is they'll do it again and again and again because once we realize that we get past the fear and we feel the experience we go wow it's it's like a it's euphoria yeah it's like it's that, euphoria that drug you know that yeah. hits you and it's like oh man <laughs> i won't do that again <laughs> dopamine right uh if you had to stand up right now and give a 30-minute presentation with no prep what would it be on it would be on loving yourself it would really truly be on loving yourself i have met so many people both men and women who are so mean to themselves they don't recognize the magnificence that they are uh, i mean do you realize that your heart beats 115,000 times a day i mean think about that 115,000 times a day that's a miracle um, our hands can pick up things our eyes can see at least for most of us i recognize some people can't we we are miraculous beings and we don't honor that we treat ourselves terrible we say things to ourselves that nobody would ever say to another individual and that's really that's really what i want people to understand once you learn to love yourself and to honor the magnificence with which you were created you just get a whole lot happier and not only do you get happier you put yourself in a position to be of service to other people we're not meant here to just go through life on our own we're meant here to teach and to give and to serve each other we're we're connected creatures but if you're so busy worrying about the size of your belly or whether somebody's going to think you're an idiot you're just not able to be fully present to help somebody else so my 30 minute would talk would be on loving yourself there you go who has impressed you most with what they've accomplished hal elrod hal elrod um is a mentor um i'd like to say a friend uh, and just truly an amazing individual he was 21 years old when he was hit head-on um, and basically died and when he was revived um, the doctors told him he probably wouldn't walk, walk again, and he was mad for about five minutes, and then he said, well, I have a different plan. And he, through very, very positive thoughts and a whole lot of hard work, went on to run ultra-marathons for charity. And then he eventually wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, The Not-So-Obvious Secret to Success Before 8 a.m., and he really does believe in raising the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time and has created a community that has well over 150,000 people in it. Um, he has live events. He's got multiple different books uh, that have been 
in the Miracle Morning series, but down to earth, um, open-hearted, truly an amazing man. He's just taught me what it means to be positive, mm -hmm. to take action, and to be of service to the world. Nice. So that, that pretty much wraps uh, up, quote-unquote, rapid fire. But <laughs> <laughs> not not that rapid, but that's not a big deal, you know. Some good, um, some good topics you touched on there, and some of them which I planned on uh, touching more on here. So... Uh, you spent a lifetime trying to overcome self-doubt and poor self-image, you know, limiting beliefs, all that kind of stuff. Was there an aha moment that you had in your life that led you down the path to where you are now? Yes, I think so. When I was a store manager at Natural Grocers, uh, we have a health and beauty section there, and women particularly, but men more than you would imagine, would come in and they would be complaining about their skin or their hair or their weight or whatever. Um, and I used to walk them over to a mirror and I would say in front of the mirror, I invite you to start with loving yourself and just say, hello, gorgeous. And I was stunned by the fact that so few people could actually do it. They, I mean, they literally could not say the words. And one woman in particular burst into tears, and she just, she just couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it. And so I talked to her about loving herself and how that will free her up to be the beautiful person that she is. And she was a very pretty woman. Um, and about six months later, I got a card from her, and she had been at a particularly low point in her life. And she said, I changed your life that day by just loving her. Um, and that was probably the impetus that I needed to say, okay, I need to do something about this. So that was probably the, the moment when I knew I really wanted to help people learn to love themselves. Which, is, which takes us down the rabbit hole of life coaching and uh, Conquer Life Coaching in particular, your business. Uh, what is life coaching? Who needs life coaching? And like, how long does you know life coaching take? Is it a lifelong thing or... I think everybody needs a coach of some sort. Um, if you think about an athlete, an athlete, uh, let's say a runner, he hires a running coach. Well, the running coach, what, he, what the running coach does is the running coach watches the athlete run and will see things that the athlete, because they're in the moment, cannot see. So they point out, oh, you're turning your foot just this, this way or that way. And the athlete who's in the, in the moment running isn't aware of that. A business coach can look at a business and say, well, you might try this type of marketing or you might try this type of accounting so that you can go. A life coach helps somebody realize their dreams and their goals by figuring out what's holding them back giving them the clarity of a safe space, uh, a space of psychological safety to try out dreams and goals and ideas without somebody judging them, and then helps them set up the plan to achieve those, of course, correcting as they go. So who needs a coach? I think all of us struggle, especially in this day and age with all our technology and the fast-paced life that we have. Um, they people struggle with figuring out, well, how do I get to the next place? Um, we're, we're kind of on a hamster wheel. So my particular type of coaching is more of a one-on-one, -on -one, 
um, personal centered coaching as opposed to business or athletic or marketing. It's really about saying, what do you want to accomplish and what's holding you back? And then saying, all right, let's deal with that. Let's look at what's holding you back. What's true about that? What's not true about that? How long does it take? A good conversation with somebody can, can make all the difference in the world. Most people will want to go for two or three months as they're chunking through different, different stories they've been telling themselves. Some people, only a few months. My last coach I had was about a year and a half, and I just really enjoyed, and I could tell my wins, I could tell my defeats, and we would work through those, and he would say, that's not a defeat. Every failure is just a stepping stone. Just brings me back to some clarity. So how long does it take? As long as you want or need. Right? That that just made another bell go off in my head as we were prepping, you know, I'm sitting here going, you know, Kari, how, how's the battle? And you're like, what battle? I, I'm not in a battle, you know? And it, you know, it's just that mindset, really, of, of how you look at things. And then I'm just like, you know what? Like, yeah, if you look at stuff as a battle, you know, then you're constantly going to be trudging your way, you know, in your battle, your, you know, survival mode. And so, in your opinion, like, what are some of the, you know, things that go on in our heads that really hold us back or alter our outlook? It's important to note that we all have limiting beliefs. Um, most of our limiting beliefs we picked up when we were children. So if you think about the time from about birth to around six to eight years old, you're literally a sponge. You are taking in all of the information that's around you in words and actions, and then you're assigning a meaning to them. Now, it doesn't mean that the meaning's correct, but it's what you're assigning to it. Then you go into school, and some of those meanings are reinforced. So think about money. Um, we're frequently told when we're young, oh, no, we don't have money to go on a vacation. Um, I have to work really hard. Don't throw that away. I have to work really, really hard for that money. We're told money doesn't grow on trees. We're told money isn't free. We're told there's no free lunch. So we grow up believing that we have to really struggle to earn money. And if you look around and probably talk to people that you have as colleagues, many people struggle with money. I know I do. I, I, I am well aware of the fact that I learned hard lessons as a child that money is very hard to earn. And so learning to have a wealth mindset means that you have to hold that up and say, well, wait a minute, is it hard to earn? Is it hard to earn? Can I earn it? Do I have the capacity to be rich, if you will? So it's a mindset piece. Weight is a, a classic example. We're told when we're young, Eat all the food on your plate. There's starving people everywhere. Eat every bit of food. You might be completely full, but you're told you've got to eat all your food. Or worse, you're told if you're good, you get something to eat. If you're bad, you don't get something to eat. So people have now developed a mindset that food is a moral imperative. It's a, it's a characteristic of whether you're a good person or a bad person, whether you eat a piece of cake or not. Yeah, whether you get that ice cream cone. Exactly. Or the lollipop or, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And so these little insidious beliefs, um, you, you've probably heard people say, I'm always late. 
and their alarm clock doesn't work, they're in a traffic jam, whatever the reason, they're always late because they've set themselves up. They've told their mind, hey, we're always late. And your mind always holds you in alignment with what you're declaring yourself to be. So if you're declaring yourself as not being able to lose weight, guess what? You're not going to lose weight. If you declare yourself that you'll never be wealthy, pretty good chance you never will. Yeah. Henry Ford said, what you believe, or if you believe it, it I'm going to screw this up, but he just said, if you believe it, it will happen, or you don't believe it happened, in both cases you're right. Exactly. Exactly. In your opinion, what has been the most critical aspect for overcoming your self-doubt? Awareness, really, truly. Um, and that's really the key to overcoming self-doubt is to become aware of it. And when you become aware of it, first of all, you have to stay really present to become aware of it. Um, so with me, when I find myself starting to get a little panicked or maybe maybe I'm feeling that stress response because, well, you're in real estate, you understand. Sometimes our check doesn't come in when we anticipated it. And then you go, oh my gosh, I'm not getting the money I thought I was going to get. And that's, that creates that level of anxiety. So I become very aware of it and I say, okay, what's my, what's my reality? I'm not starving. I'm able to pay my bills. I have a house. I've got some support system. And I, you just literally have to bring it to the light of awareness, hold it up to the light of truth and say, is this still true? Right, because we, we do, we make things such a big deal when, you know, usually it's not life or death, you know, it's like, if you forgot your lunch or, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm having a terrible day because, you know, I, I didn't make my lunch today or, you know, something stupid like that where it's all of a sudden, you know, then you start creeping your head like, oh, I'm having a bad day, mm -hmm. right, as opposed to, oh, well, you know, we'll get it I get to go out you know get to go out to lunch today or you know something like that most of this is habit mm -hmm. I mean we we have habitual um, methods of how we speak how we view things it's just habit and like any habit it's tough to change you've got to be aware of it and you've got to consciously change it so when you forget your lunch and you start to say oh man my day is going to be terrible you go wait a minute oh cool I get to go out to lunch this is going to be great who can I bring with me and all of a sudden the mood changes so as you practice the habit of changing your negative self-talk, your negative um, thought patterns to something more positive, as you're aware of them and you change them immediately, pretty soon you stop having, or it certainly slows down the amount of negative uh, thoughts that you're having. Do and you have any exercises or advice to people to, to work on limiting those self, you know, those doubts and that negative thought in your head? Absolutely. The minute you have a negative thought or you say something negative, stop immediately, turn it around, make it positive. Stop immediately. Um, you have to do it right in the moment because your brain's listening at that point in time. And this is all about teaching your brain a new way to think. So, um, so as my question, for an example, I guess, is my question is how goes the battle? Uh, it could be something like, how wonderful is your day today? Right? Perfect. Perfect. And it really is. You know, even if you have struggles, how are you doing on your struggles? Are things going better for you? You, you just you turn it around to something more positive and uplifting. Um, questions are a great way to do it. So I'm not battling today. I, am, I, ha I have a new opportunity to grow and learn. <laughs> yeah, and something that you mentioned in your 
your TED talk was the affirmation. Right? Mm -hmm. You want to dive into kind of self-affirmation and what that's all about? So affirmations, your, your body and your brain believe every word you say. And so an affirmation is literally you telling your brain first, your subconscious, your conscious mind and your subconscious mind, what you want to achieve. So there's a difference between saying, I want to be rich or I want to lose weight. Um, so if you, say, if you say an affirmation that says, I weigh 115 pounds, well, when you don't weigh 115 pounds, your brain goes, no, you don't, you know. I'm rich. No, you're not. You're, you're going to get this little internal struggle going on. So you want to create an affirmation that has a what you desire plus your commitment to what you're going to do to make it happen. So like um, for me, I like to say I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of perfect health as any other individual on this planet, and I'm going to prove it today by my actions. So that's kind of a long-winded affirmation. Um, one of the affirmations... I might say is um, I'm grateful for the body that I have and I have a choice to change my body composition through my actions today. I'm choosing to choose healthy. So it is a, it's a positive statement of your goal and what you're going to do to achieve it. And you plant that into your brain first. Uh, Oprah Winfrey says when you use an affirmation you are telling yourself first what you're going to do and she says don't limit yourself in your own self-talk tell yourself what you're going to do on a big scale and then you'll start to see opportunities because your your focusing system it's called an RAS your reticular activation system it will start to look for opportunities to make that um, true for you yeah the the big scale you know like you said you get so pinned down on that small scale you know the minute those little micro things and they aren't you know but we do we let them over overcome our day um <clears throat> also in your ted talk you said something that really stuck out to me which is that the way we talk to ourselves like and you mentioned this kind of in the intro is you know we're, we're mean to ourselves we say things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to any other human being you know but in our own heads, we, we say it all the time, like, you know, you're stupid, or, you know, I can't, you're, you know, idiot, whatever. Like, um, do you have, you know, some other insights of recognizing, you know, when that's happening and maybe how to go about tackling, overcoming that? All of us have two basic fears. The fear of not being enough and the fear of not being loved. And if you think of all the things that you say to yourself, it boils down to those two things. Not being worthy or enough, not being loved. Um, back to the awareness side of things, if you call yourself a bad name, you've got to stop and say, is that really true? Is that really true? I always talk about holding it up to the light of truth. In my TED talk, I talked about how often we drop something and go, oh, you're such a clutch, you're such an idiot. And we all do that. And so you have to stop and say, well, am I an idiot? Oh, no, actually, I'm not. I have a master's degree. Generally, you don't get a master's degree if you're an idiot, although there are some pretty stupid Sometimes smart people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it really comes down to, to awareness. So 
you have to be conscious of what you say. I think I read something that about 46% of the time we're completely unconscious of what we're saying and doing, which is a little scary. You know, think about driving home. Have you ever driven home and you get there and you can't even remember driving? Yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So when we want to learn how to be kinder to ourselves, we have to start by just paying attention. Um, remember the Matrix movies where they, they're, you know, Neo is, is offered either the blue pill or the red pill, and yeah. he chooses the red pill. Well, once you take the red pill and you make the decision to start paying attention, there's no going back. Mm -hmm. And it can be annoying. You know, there are times when you just want to say, oh, I don't want to be thinking about this all the time. And it's not that you're thinking about it all the time. It's, it's that once you become aware of it, you realize how bad you're being to yourself, and then you can start turning it around. Do I still bad my, mouth myself sometimes? Yeah, I do. But my family's so used to me changing everybody's talk. If I say something negative to myself, one member of my family will invariably say, hey, turn it around. <laughs> yeah, the accountability. Right? The accountability. Yeah, yeah that hyper, hyper awareness is something that I you know, try to really work on because in creating you know, content and all that stuff, like too, like it does, not just in your own mind, but everywhere around once you take that red pill and you start noticing stuff it does it opens up a whole new outlook and lets you notice things that you've never noticed before can i touch on that a second absolutely it absolutely changes how you see your world mm -hmm. when you're kinder to yourself you start seeing you literally shift your consciousness to start seeing the good in all things um I am I'm stunned by color and sound and people I'm so much more aware of the amazing things that are in our world now that I've really started learning to pay attention to loving myself and loving others it really does shift and it also shifts what comes into your into your environment uh, Dr. Wayne Dwyer used to say, if you don't like the things that you see, change the way you look at things and the things you see will change. Um, as you begin to put your energy in a more positive frame point, a more positive focus, more positive things come into your world. As you pay more attention to gratitude, more things come into your world for which to be grateful. It, it's a law of nature. It, it just does. Yeah, and it's... Uh... There's, there's so many sayings and quotes that, you know, that go along with that. Look, misery loves company, too, right? Right. So misery loves company, so that's the reverse of that. Yeah. Misery does love company, and if that's true, then the reverse of it is true as well. Mm -hmm. And think about, you know, and we are, we are actually, our, our bodies are actually transmitters and receivers. So we receive energy. We, we give off energy. I'm sure you've been around somebody that gave you the heebie-jeebies, and then you've been around other people that you want to give a hug to. There's, there's an energy transfer that happens there. We also are sponges. So you get around somebody who's miserable, and pretty soon everybody's miserable. You have to take conscious effort not to fall into the misery trap. In conversely, if you're being really positive, not in an obnoxious way, you don't want to be on a soapbox, but just by your being, being in a state of gratitude and being happy, um, other people will, it pushes against them. So they have a choice to change their mood or to get out of Dodge. Yeah. You don't like it? See ya. See you later. Bye. <laughs>
you have some exciting things coming up in your life, including the launch of your first book, uh, Becoming Beautiful, A Personal Journey Towards Happiness, right? You want to touch on maybe what your book is about, how it came to be? Um, the book really started because of the whole exercise at Natural Grocers of people looking in the mirror and saying, hello, gorgeous. Um, I had a terrible self-image growing up. Uh, there used to be this t-shirt with the hand pointing to the side and, that said, I'm with stupid. And everybody thought it was really funny. They're still around. There's even a pregnancy version, which is just creepy. Anyway, I had the one where it pointed up. I, I just had a terrible self-image. And my self-image, I was fighting, always feeling worthy and you know unworthy, um, struggling. I... I got so many promotions because I worked harder than everybody else because I was always trying to prove my worth, which was ridiculous. What I really found out was I was trying to prove it to myself, nobody else. Um, so I started writing this book because I, I kept, I would tell people this story about the mirror of Hello Gorgeous, and that was one of the ways that I used to improve my self-image, was I started in my mid-30s, late, well, actually around 40, I would look in a mirror and every time I saw myself in the mirror I would smile and say hello gorgeous because I didn't like myself. And then I started with gratitude, um, thank you for my eyes and just going really into why I liked my eyes and going deeper and deeper and then I would add things to it and before long I started learning to really like myself and who I was. Um, what I noticed is, well there's no way to say this without sounding a bit haughty, but if you see pictures of me from 10, 15 years ago, I look completely different. I really do, because now I'm happy from the inside, and that changes your exterior. doesn't matter what you look, look like when you're happy on the inside. You glow. You, you get happy on the outside. Um, what is it they say? Pregnant women and brides are always beautiful no matter what they look like, but they're happy. Yeah. So I started writing about where I picked up my limiting beliefs, and I did this more as an exercise for myself, but I started to realize that I think this might be able to help people. So I just kept writing, and each chapter that I wrote, I talked about from before I was born and the family life I was born into. I would end each chapter with a few questions saying, you know, well, think about your own family life. What did that bring up? Did you develop some limiting beliefs because of that? And each chapter does that. And as I got to the end, it, it's, it's meant to be, here's my, here was my struggle. Here's how I overcame it, chapter by chapter. Um, think about your own life and, and get rid of the, the self-hate. Learn to love yourself. You'll become happy. You'll become prosperous. You'll, you'll become you. And so in that book, um, how, how hard was it, first of all, to, to write a whole book? Like, was it something that you put in your mind, like, hey, this is, I'm just going to knock out, you know, like a couple of pages here and a couple of pages there. And then all of a sudden, before you knew it, you had a book or in your writing, were you just writing? And then ultimately the book came to be, um, three stages briefly. First was I decided I made the decision in December when I was at the Best Year Ever Blueprint event down in San Diego with Hal Elrod and crew. 
um, I decided uh, it's time for me to tell my story. I actually was listening to a guest speaker. His name is Mike Koenig, and he wrote uh, Publisher Profit, Publish and Profit, and he said everybody has about five books in them. And if you take a poll, I think polls show that about 85% of people want to write a book, but only about, you know, 12% do. So I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book. So I set up a plan that every day I would start writing for 30 minutes a day in the morning. And I started in January, and by March I had my first draft done. And I just wrote every day. Um, and I was surprised at how much the words added up. Now, my book's not going to be huge by any means, but it's about 36,000 words, which is a lot of words. Um, the average book has more like 60,000 in it. So it's a small book. But it's still a book, which is kind of cool. Anyway. Yeah, it's still a book. Don't downplay that. No. See, hey. That. Then, then I gave it to my sister to read, and she didn't like it, which is okay. You know, I was like, okay. Now, she's a marketing person and an editor, and she said, there's not enough story in it. You need to go back and write some more story. So I just added chapter by chapter. I added some to it. Um, then my publisher said I had to either get a waiver from my mother or take her out of the book because my mother struggled with al alcoholism and I talk about that and they said that that's liableless. And so I took a deep breath and I sat down with my mom and I let her read the book. And that was a big deal for me. It was very healing for both of us. Um, she understood what I was trying to say and I didn't want her to get depressed like she failed or something like that. She wasn't the best mom in the world but she did the best she could and I understood that. And she she understood where I was going with that. The point was for people to see no matter what your struggles are you can overcome them. You have to take responsibility for it and and decide to live a different life. You have to change those limiting beliefs as I keep pounding on. Anyway, long story short, mom gave me some corrections. I had a few things that were slightly wrong, and it was really good. And my book sort of expanded because of that. And then I sent it off to the publisher. Now it's being edited, line-by-line -line editing, and then it gets published. Awesome. And you, so you left her in there. I left her in there, and she wrote a waiver and said, I give my daughter permission to use my story, which was cool. What did you learn most about yourself in the process? Wow. Um, there were a few things. Uh, probably the most I learned was that I really did have a deep compassion for the struggle that my mother had. And I came to really understand what she went through before I even came on the scene. And it's been a real blessing because now I'm her caretaker in the last period of her life. Um, she's sick and, and uh, has congestive heart failure. Um, my sister and I take care of her, but I'm able to interact with her from a whole different level because of writing this book. And what do you hope is the biggest takeaway people have from reading your book? I really, truly hope to impact lives. I hope people will read the book and think about their own life and realize if they've got blame or judgment that by letting it go, it's so freeing. 
by learning to love themselves, they open their world up to a ton of potential that's there, they just can't see it because it's behind a negative veil. So I really hope that people read it. I hope they see this has value and I want to give it to other people as well. Because just like I said at the beginning, if we learn to love ourselves and we learn to get happy, we'll change our world. We'll make it a better place. And if you could go back in time, say maybe before you started putting people in the mirror at natural grocers, what advice would you give yourself? Why wait? Why wait to be happy? Um, why not just let go of judgment, blame? Why not create forgiveness? Why not open the door to potential? Why wait? Yeah, because how old were you when you started doing that? I was in my mid-40s, and I'm 57 now. Yeah, so... I would say, but at not, I mean, really, truly, I would say the last five years have been transformative to me. Really yeah. transformative. And it all started with looking in the mirror. And that part started, I started doing that for myself yeah. um, back when I was just around 40. Um, I really, you could say I started the spiritual path. The spiritual path isn't a dogma thing. It's about looking inside. It's about asking yourself questions. What's my, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? Um, that's when you start your spiritual path. And yeah, so pretty much then. All right, and that about wraps it up. I got one more question for you. So, if you could get one message out to the community of Coeur d'Alene, what would it be? Can I give a plug? Sure. <laughs> if you're interested in learning more about how to identify and overcome limiting beliefs, I am offering a seminar at the Croc Center on August 11th from 9 to 4. Um, it's called Upgrade Your Life Through Questions, Connections, and Introspection. I will be using the tenets of appreciative inquiry and the interaction of each of us, because each one of us has a great deal of wisdom to offer. And I think it's going to be a terrific event for people who want to improve any area of their life. It can be used in any area of their life from personal relationship, uh, business, whatever, health. Yeah, and so, I mean, if, uh, and that's not your only, that's not your only event. That's your only one scheduled. That's the only one I have scheduled so at like the moment. So, like, in the future, you know, people, how could they look and find, you know, what you have coming up or how, you know, how could they get in touch with you? Um, they can go to my website, which is www.conquerlifecoaching.com. Or my Facebook page, which is of the same name, and I always have, you know, I post events there. Um, yeah, or they could come to my event. Uh, tickets are on Eventbrite, and they are early bird pricing of 140 until uh, July 15th. Awesome. And then they go up to 175 Ooh, better get the deal. I got to throw uh, one more thing in yeah, about that. Go for it. Life coaching, any kind of coaching, uh, can be a little bit costly. A full-day seminar like this is like getting an hour and a half of coaching for the price of, you know, one hour. Um, and I will just say one other thing. When you think about, we, we tend to think, is this program worth it? Is this book worth it? Is this time worth it? And I would just invite you to turn it around and say, are you worth the investment? Lasting thoughts from Kari. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Thank you for letting me be here. I'm very honored. Hey, you're welcome. Have a good one, Coraline. Hey, well, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed Kari's talk and all of her insights on how humans operate and function and our ability, you know, to keep ourselves afloat and, you know, maybe put some of her her advice to use, you know, look in the mirror today and tell yourself, hey, beautiful, or, you know, give yourself some affirmations of positive, watch what you say, you know, instead of saying, how goes the battle, say, you know, how great, how great today is, or how wonderful, you know, everything is, instead of looking at it, like glass half empty, glass half full. Hope you had some good takeaways from that. Um, also be on the lookout for Kari in her uh, future talks and her book coming out. So we'll be releasing that stuff and uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook and we'll we'll definitely release that info when it comes more readily available. Thanks, Coraline.